Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Isn't that great Star Wars? This is uh, at the movies here at Word of Life Church, and I love the phrase, use the force. Here Luke, in this situation, has this, oh yeah, give it up for our stormtroopers this morning, bringing out the table and chairs, yes. (laughs) I love it, I love it, I love it. (laughs) Did y'all notice, it's the little things too, did y'all notice the graphics on the screens in that first song, like the Star Star Wars kind of opening, and then I don't know if y'all noticed it, Mallory on the drums. Like she was playing the marumba or whatever that thing was. And then this week she's on the drums. I promise you, I want to be Mallory when I grow up. Like that is like my all-time ambition. Uh, But here we see in Star Wars this moment of, Luke, what are you doing leaning on all of this technology? This is a critical moment in the story arc. If this goes wrong, everything goes wrong. And he has this voice kind of come to him in the, oh, okay, we're bringing out the water. (laughs) Uh, So uh, he has this moment where uh, this voice comes to him and reminds him there's something else in this moment you can rely on, Luke, that this is not something that you just have to lean on all this technology Uh, all of these other things in your life to kind of get this right. There is something that is higher, there's something that is greater, and there is something that is far more accurate in your life for this moment, and it is the Force. Now, for those of you who may not know Star Wars, uh, there is an altar call at the end of service, uh, and uh, we will uh, introduce you into this wonderful franchise. Uh, But the Force is basically this spiritual force that is keeping everything together, and there are certain people like Jedi who have learned to hear it, to speak to it, to use it, and to have it at work in their life, and it makes their life something quite supernatural. Now, when I watch movies, a lot of times I'm amazed at the spiritual parallel that is in them, because when I hear things like that or see moments like that, I can't help but to think of certain verses. And when I watch Star Wars, because I had to watch the movies, I had to see, like, what, what point do I want to bring out throughout all the Star Wars? And when I got to this scene, I thought, you know what, that is exactly what I feel like I'm supposed to share this weekend. So let's look at it this morning in the book of Proverbs. I'll put it on the screens. If you didn't bring your Bible, if you did bring your Bible, open it up with me to Proverbs chapter 3, and we will look at verse number 5. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. Here you see it. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, this is what I call my golden text. Uh, This is the text that I would love for you to reread all throughout this week. Let's look at it together on the screens. If you can go back to verse number five, Proverbs chapter three, verse number five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Have you ever done that? You ever leaned on your own understanding? Now, I love this. It doesn't say don't use your own understanding. How many of you know it'd be helpful if all of us used a little bit more understanding, especially in traffic? Green means go, people. 
green means go. Uh, so it doesn't say don't use your own understanding. It says don't lean on it. And how many times in your life have you been in a stressful moment where you leaned on your own understanding? Where it's like, we've got to figure this out. Something came up with a child and it's like, you as a couple or you as a parent start to lean on your own understanding trying to figure it out, trying to come up with a solution, trying to turn the child in the direction that the child needs to go. How many times have something come up financially where you leaned on your own understanding? It's like, how are we going to get through this? And you begin to process all of these things through your mind. You begin to take in all the different advice and counsel from other people and you surpass using your own understanding. Instead, now to make the decision, you are entirely leaning on your own understanding. That you've got all of the technology out, you've got all of the other voices in your life, and you're leaning on it, but yet something on the inside knows, I need to put all of this away, I need to trust in the Lord, and I need to, verse number six, acknowledge him. And when I acknowledge him, what will he do? He will direct my paths. Why don't you say this with me? Say, he will direct me. Let's make it specific. Say, God will direct me. Now, I love this. God will direct you. He says, when you acknowledge God, God will direct your paths. Now, how many of you think if God is directing your paths, your paths are bound to be successful? How many of you think we could miss it from time to time? Technology can miss it from time to time. Even wise counsel can miss it from time to time, but God will never miss it. How many of you know God's got an answer for everything? He's got an answer for your child. He's got an answer for that financial situation. He's got an answer for healing. God has an answer for everything, and God is not withholding that advice. He is not withholding that guidance. He says, if you will acknowledge me, if you'll put away all of these other things and use the force, if you will pay attention to what I am saying to you, I will guide you, and if you listen to me, it is a sure fire way. Now, you've gotta understand this. The Bible teaches us that within every temptation, there's always a way out. Paul puts it this way. He says, there is a way of escape. No matter what you're in, you can come out of it. No matter how bad it is, you can come out of it. But in order to come out of it, you have to hear from God. Now, this is not just like some concept taught in the Old Testament. This is all throughout your New Testament. Probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture is this in the book of John. They'll put it up on the screens. John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus is talking. He says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you. Why don't you say that again? Say, God will guide me. Somebody says, all these people who say they hear from God, they just scare me. You know what scares me? All these people who never hear from God. Because it is absolutely clear, he will guide you. God wants to guide you. Now, maybe, especially if you're new to church and this is like your first time or you were brought here and someone promised you you could get your picture taken with like Darth Vader or whatever it may be, uh, maybe you've heard things like this, like God spoke to me, God told me, uh, God led me. Have any of you ever heard phrases like that? Okay, five of you. Come on now, I know it's early. Have any of you heard like somebody say, God told, you've said it. I've heard some of you say it. Even if you've heard no one else say it, you've heard yourself say it, right? 
we've all heard this before, but sometimes, you know, when we hear it, I know there may be skeptics among us, and it's like, did God really tell you to wear that? Because fashion would tell you this is a bad idea. Like, right? Uh, like, people say God tells them to do stuff all the time, apparently, and sometimes we're skeptical. Sometimes you might be curious. But at the end of the day, I think all of us are longing, right? Like we're longing to hear from God. I go into some of these bigger cities, I travel a good bit, and one of the things that amazes me, especially here in America, is you're walking down the street and you see all of these like uh, people who are predicting the future and like fortune tellers, and they have like prime landscape, like major property in like New York City. It's like how can they stay open, you know why? Because I think at the heart of humanity, at the heart of who we are, like we long for divine guidance. And we may be skeptical of it, and we may not completely understand it, but we long for it. We want God to speak to us. We want God to be real to us. And as far as I'm concerned, right, like this is at the heart of so much of our, our, our Christianity and our, if you want to call it religion, that makes it different from every other God. It's like all these other people have gods, but only ours wants to have a personal relationship with us, like a real, deep, intimate relationship with us. And I know your heart craves that. And here's what I also know, God does too. God longs to be intimate with you. He longs to be real to you. He longs, even if you're sitting here this morning, you're like a teenager, God wants to be your best friend. And some of you have best friends, and one of the things that makes them your best friend is y'all talk about stuff all the time. In fact, y'all get into stuff that you might not even tell other people. Like there's such an intimate relationship with that person that that's what makes them your bestie or whatever it is you call it nowadays, your person, whatever it may be. But like that's what makes them so special, right, is the level of communication there is so intimate and so nuanced that sometimes you can say something without saying anything. That they can just look at you and know something is wrong because they have walked with you on such an intimate basis. And here's God saying, I want that with you. That I am a jealous God and what I want is to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of my children. I long to guide you. I long to instruct you. I long to commune with you. Now here's the thing. In order for us to understand this, you have to understand that there is a critical myth. And here is the myth that I want to dispel this morning. If God speaks to me, I'll know it's God. If God speaks to me, I'll know it's God. Uh, some people think that if God's speaking to me, I know it's gonna be God because there'll be like a, a thunderous like noise. The room will shake. Like I, I once heard a preacher, and he means well. He's wrong, but he means well. I once heard a preacher say, like, I don't want God to speak to me because that would just freak me out. I mean, literally, I'm quoting him. A national minister. I was, I'm like, what? Like, anyway, he said, I don't want God to speak to me because, like, in his mind, if God spoke to me, that would just be so sensational, so, like, otherworldly that it would almost be scary. Like, it would be scary to actually hear from God. And so there's this myth that like if God speaks to me, then surely I know it must be God because God will like shake the room or like light will appear out of nowhere and like all of these kinds of things. But here's the truth. The truth is that's a myth. 
In the book of John, John wrote this uh, in John chapter one, and I love this. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything that was made. Verse four, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, here's what's interesting about this. It's the person he's describing here is Jesus. Jesus was the word of God made flesh. In him was light, and that light was the light of men. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus was the expressed image of God, the very word of God on the earth. Amazing. And you know what happened when the very word of God walked on the earth? No one believed it was God. It's like, no, it can't be God. No, 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 it can't be God. We saw him grow up with our kids. No way he's God. No way he's God. He's like opening the eyes of the blind. Nah, it can't be God. He's like, you know, healing cripples. It's like, nah, not God. He's raising the dead. It's like, no, not God. Some even said, you know what? He's a devil. That's That's who he is. He is a devil. They so believed he wasn't God, they killed him on a cross so believing that the word of God was not God. After he dies, the ground shakes, the veil temple rips from top to bottom, the, cloud, the, the sky is immediately filled with a dark cloud, and I love it, at the very end, like there's this guard looking at him and saying, maybe that was God. Maybe we killed God, like maybe just, and God, you know, is up in heaven like, you think, you think, what else does he have to do to show you He's God. So oftentimes, God can come down and be speaking to you, and you not even know it's God. So many times, God can be right there next to you, and you don't even know it's God. Sometimes, you got a miracle facing you every single day, and that child you never thought you would have because they told you you never could have it, but there is God staring you right in the face. The miracle that he worked in your life, God is all around us. God is all around us. The nature, just all the trees declare his glory. God is constantly trying to speak to his people. But so oftentimes we don't see it as God because we're waiting on the, superna- waiting on the spectacular and all the while we are missing the supernatural. God can speak to you and I even know it's God. This is rather proved out in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter three. They'll put this one up on the screen. Here the Lord called Samuel. This is how his story starts. The Lord calls Samuel, and he answers and says, here am I. Watch this. And he ran unto Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I called you not. Lie down again. And he went and laid down. Here, God is speaking to Samuel, and when Samuel hears it, he doesn't know it's God. It's not like this voice, Samuel, and it's like shook the room. And he's like, that had to be God. Like, what in the world just happened in this room? God speaks to Samuel, and Samuel thinks it's Eli. Samuel hears God, but thinks it's Eli. Samuel hears God, but it's actually, God actually sounded like a familiar voice. It didn't sound like something uncommon. It didn't sound like something overly sensational. It sounded like a familiar voice. And you know what I found? Is that oftentimes when God speaks to us, it sounds like a familiar voice. We discussed the myth, now let's talk about the fact based off of those two scriptures that we looked at. Here, they'll put up the fact, the bulk of the time God speaks to you, it will sound like a familiar voice with a touch of the divine. 
There'll be something on it that lingers. There'll be something on it when God's speaking to you. There'll be something on it that it's, it's so familiar, but there's something special about it. it, it it's, it's something familiar, but there's just a touch on it that makes it lift. I, I got the Disney app. Anybody else get the Disney app this week? I got the Disney app because I'm like, I'm done buying all these movies. I'll just pay $5.99 a month. Uh, and uh, with this, I got the Disney app. And so they opened up the vault. And so like all of the cartoons that, you know, Disney should pay me right now. But we can't even live stream it because there's all copyright issues. So anyway, I, I got the vault and I opened it up and it's like Peter Pan. And Peter Pan was my jam when I I was a kid, man, was my jam. So the very first thing we looked at was Peter Pan. And, and we're looking at it, and here you see, you know, they're trying to fly, and it's not working, and they're trying to live this supernatural life, and it's not working. And finally, Tinkerbell comes and sprinkles pixie dust on the kids, and it's just a touch, man. It's just a touch, but it makes them lift. And when it's God, it's a familiar voice. It's a conversation. Sometimes it's even a movie. And you're sitting there looking at nature, watching a movie, having a conversation, sitting in a service, worshiping along with everybody else, but something stands out and it just takes on a lift. It's something so familiar, but it's God trying to get your attention. Here's some of the ways God does it. He's done it all throughout scripture. They'll put it up on the screen, people. You're having a conversation with a person and something that they say just lingers in your heart. I never will get, forget this because this is how the devil works too. The devil oftentimes will work through people. I don't know if you figured that out yet. Uh, but for those of you who are coming into Christianity, just brace yourself. Brace yourself. Because one of the best ways Satan tries to use uh, hurt us is through people. Uh, and he got this from, from the Lord. The, the one of the chief ways that the Lord blesses us is through people. Through other people's hands, through other people's words, through other people's eyes, God gets to us. It's amazing. Laying on of hands, God will use hands to get to you, but Satan will too. There's this moment in scripture where Peter is talking to Jesus and Jesus is like, who do people say that I am? And Peter's like, well, some say this, some say that. And he said, but who do you say? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But it had a touch of pixie dust on it, a touch of the divine. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, flesh and blood revealed that, didn't even reveal that to you, Peter. But that was the spirit of the living God. Right after that, Jesus begins to talk about going to the cross and Peter comes to him, he's like, Lord, be it far from you. Pity yourself, like be it far from you. You don't have to do that. And Jesus turns right around and looks at Peter and says, no, you're not yielding to God. You actually just yielded to Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things that be of God. Now, here's the thing. I don't even think in either moment Peter thought he was yielding to the spirit of God or yielding to the, the voice of the enemy. But in both of those moments, in one just parallel of Scripture, we, or in one passage of Scripture, you see a man yield to both God and the devil at the same time. And they both had a lingering connection to it. I never will forget when I, I was in Bible school, I got caught up in a relationship that I shouldn't have been in. Any of you ever been there before? Don't raise your hand, you might be sitting by me. I'm kidding, it was a trick. It was a trick. I got you. Sorry. Oh, we're having fun at the 8.30. I was in this relationship I shouldn't have been in. 
And I knew it, but I didn't. Like, in the natural, it's like everything lines up on paper. But we'd have these services called exaltation on Tuesday at Rhema. And it wasn't like a teaching class. It was just you're there to worship. And I'd be sitting in there worshiping, just, you know, being with Jesus. And I would get this leading of, that's not for you. And like I knew it, like I knew in my heart, that's not for you. And then I'd leave, I'd leave exaltation, leave this worship service, and I'd go out and be natural again and be fine with it. And then I'd come back Tuesday, exaltation, be like worshiping Jesus. And it's like, that's not for you. I just knew it. A touch of the divine, just a knowing. And I kept proceeding in the relationship. And for those of you who don't know the story, my father passed away when I was 17. So I was coming back to take over the church. That's why I was at Bible school. Took over the church at 19. So in between there is a two-year window. I'm in Bible school, and I'm in this relationship. I know it's not God, and finally I see why. One day we're driving down the road, and I'm talking about the pressure of having to come back and take on this church. And I'm like scared about it, a little nervous about it, because it's like I'm 19. Like nothing on this on paper adds up. And they look over at me and they say, you know you don't have to do that, right? And what you just heard went up my back. Like it literally went up my back. Like I knew, I knew. That's not them talking. Like I knew in that moment. This has a touch of the divine in the wrong direction. This is the dark side, baby. Like this is... This is wrong. I knew it right then that this was a trick from the enemy to try to take my life off course. Because whenever God or anything is engaging you from a spiritual level, it never comes across as overly spiritual. It's incredibly natural with the touch of the divine on it. And I'm telling you, in your walk with God, as you begin to walk with him, God will begin to use people in this way. The next day is Scripture. Scripture, hearing, preaching, and reading Scripture. God is speaking to you every time you open up the Word of God. God is speaking to you every time you open up the Word of God. If you're facing something too big for you right now, you know what you need to do? You need to go read the story of David and Goliath. And you need to sit in that story and read how David beat Goliath. And you know what will happen? You read it over and over and over and over and over again. God will speak to you. I remember hearing Brother Hagin talk about when he was a kid. He was sick. All these doctors told him he was going to die. All these preachers came and said, you're going to die. <laughs> like, just give up the ghost, you know, all these kinds of things. But one thing he had was a Bible. Thank God for the Bible. You know what a big problem with today's Christianity is, with our Instagram stories and all these other things? We know more about our favorite preacher than we do our favorite verse. God wants to speak to you through Scripture. And so he's got his Bible out. What a concept. He's got his Bible out, and he's reading through, and he gets to the story of the woman with the issue of blood, and he can't quit reading it. He doesn't know why. He just can't quit reading that story. And finally gets to the point in the story where Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you whole. And when he got to that point, after reading it multiple times, the Holy Spirit spoke through Scripture and said, if her faith made her whole, your faith can make you whole. He had never heard that before. And that so went off in his heart. I think he's like 12, 13 years old at the time. That so went off in his heart. That's like, wait a minute. If her faith made her whole, my faith can make me whole. It was the beginning of a miracle. 
It's the beginning of coming out. If you're going, if you have cried until there are no more tears left in you, you need to go read what happened when David and all his men had everything taken away from him. And they cried until there were no more tears left in them. How did he get out of that? That's your answer. You read it over and over and over and over and over again until God speaks to you. You're going through depression? Listen to me. You're going through depression? It's a woman in scripture named Naomi. You know what Naomi meant? My joy. She had tragedy happen. All of her sons and husband died. That'll set you back. And she's in this moment where she comes to the people in her life and she's like, look, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. You know what Mara meant? Broken. Broken. She's like, I've lost my joy and now I feel broken. At the end of that story, She accepts the name Naomi back. God comes in, picks up her life. You read that story over and over again. You feel like you're broken. You feel like in one season of life you had joy and another season of life you just feel broken now. You read the story of Naomi in the book of Ruth over and over and over. God will show you a way out because the word of God is God speaking to you. And thirdly, thirdly, a prompting or uneasiness in your heart. A lot of times God sounds like you. It's a familiar voice. It's something on the inside of you that won't let it go. The other day, or a couple of weeks ago, I'm walking and a guy comes up in my heart. And I'm thinking, oh, that's, I haven't thought about him in a long time. I thought it was me. I haven't thought about him in a long time. And I'm sitting having lunch with my executive pastor and he mentions the guy. I'm like, I had him come up in my heart today. He's like, me too. Later, I got home with my wife, and we're just talking. She's like, you know who I was thinking about today? And she mentioned that guy. I'm like, we better call him. Like, we better call him and make sure he's, like, alive. Like, three random people. No, none of us had thought about him. In front. Why? We each thought it was us. It wasn't us. We got in touch with him. He was going through something. See, here's what I'm talking about is oftentimes God sounds like Eli. He sounds like a familiar voice. But as you begin to walk with God, it begins to open up. This is God speaking to me. Now, I've been married for 14 years. Come on, somebody. 14 years of marriage to the same woman. And I love my wife. And in the process of becoming married, I learned that marriage has everything to do with communication. Any of you have been married, uh, you know marriage has everything to do with communication. So when we first got married, our communication did not line up. We didn't understand each other. Uh, And I would come home and I'd ask her, how'd your day go? And she would give me this word. Many of you know this word. Fine. I'm like, awesome. It's amazing. I'd walk back to the, 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 the bedroom, and she would walk back, and she would say, I just feel like you're not listening to me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I just feel like you're not listening to me. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you asked me how my day went. I'm like, you said fine. Come to find out, long story short, fine actually meant 14 things went wrong that day, <laughs> including like our dog eating through our house. 
And what she wanted was for me to kind of sit down, break away from work, and really dive in into what fine actually meant. Because if it had been amazing, she would have told me all the ways it was amazing. But fine was her clue in that I'll throw this out there and then trust that you'll kind of dive into this and figure out like fine actually meant something really bad happened. Now, on the flip side of that, I would come home from work. And when I would come home from work, she would ask me, how'd your day go? And I would say, fine. And she would say, what happened? I'm like, nothing happened. She's like, tell me what happened. I'm like, nothing happened. She's like, you can be honest with me. I'm like, I am being honest with you. I'm so being honest with you. Like a miracle didn't happen or anything today, but it was actually a fine day. Like the sun was out. I had a decent lunch. I mean, it wasn't a game changer or anything, but it filled me up. Like it was actually fine. She's like, you can always be honest with me. I just want you to know that. I'm like... I don't understand. <laughs> Other things I've learned, it's 8.30, 8.30 p.m. Now that's not a statement of fact. You know what it's 8.30 means? Are you going to put the kids to bed? So if we're sitting there, <laughs> hey, it's 8.30. It's like, it's not a statement. Not a statement, it's a question. I learned this through, through marriage. Is it time for the garbage to go out? I actually found out that's not a question. Like it sounds like a question. It looks like a question. If you wrote it out, you would see it's a question, but it's actually a statement of you need to take the garbage out. Like that's actually what it means. Are you going to eat that? Are you going to eat that? means two separate things. To her, are you going to eat that means, can I throw it away? To me, are you going to eat that means, can I have a bite, right? Any other men in here? Any other men in here? Are you gonna eat that? It's like, cause if not, I am. And lastly, are you tired? I won't even go there. I won't even go there. I won't even go there. To her it means, are you ready to go to bed? To me it means something entirely different. Now, I can say that because she's at a soccer tournament in Memphis. I'd never get away with that if she was gonna be sitting on the front row. Don't tell her, just between me and you. It's not live stream, she can't see. I threw it in at the last minute. Now here's the, the truth, and this is what I'm getting at. Relationship equals clear revelation. Relationship equals clear revelation. Like, the more you dive in into a relationship, the clearer the revelation gets. The more you dive in into a relationship, the clearer a revelation gets. Now, in all of our lives, God's speaking, but sometimes, like with my wife, She's lived with me long enough now to know exactly what a facial expression means. And the facial expression means something that goes beyond words, like that one look has like a whole paragraph of information. And without me even saying anything, because she knows me so well, that one look equals clear revelation. 
The same thing is true with God. Paul's about getting ready to go on a boat in the book of Acts, and he's like, I just perceive something's not right about this. You know what that perception was? It's a whole paragraph of information. Don't get on this boat right now. It's gonna be bad. Do not do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. An angel didn't appear to Paul and tell him that. A voice from heaven didn't thunder from the clouds saying, Paul, don't do it. It was just a stirring in his heart. Like, I perceive if we get on this boat, something bad is going to happen. You know what that was? It was God. He then turns to the, the sailor, the guy who's over the boat. He's like, I'm just telling you, I perceive we do not need to get on this boat. God is speaking to the sailor. God is speaking through Paul to the, to, to, the, through, to the sailor. The sailor is literally listening to counsel from heaven. But instead of that, he puts all of the technology back in front of him and he listens to all these people who know better. And instead of listening to God, he leans on his own understanding. And it almost costs them their lives. But that one facial expression that my wife can give me that says 10,000 words is that same thing that God can give us when we know him well enough and we dive over into a relationship with him, that life begins to open up. John wrote this in the book of Revelations, and I love this. He says, behold, this is Jesus talking. I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice and will open the door, I will come to him, I will sup with him, and he with me. Jesus is saying, like, in all of your lives, I'm knocking on the door, desiring to have this intimate, warm relationship with you. And this has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with my love for you. And I'm gonna ask you to take the time to cultivate a relationship with me. And this guy who wrote the book of Revelations, John, sees Jesus in such an intimate way that it's absolutely mind-blowing. You, like, you read the book of Revelations and you see all the, thing that the, the things that the Lord Jesus told John. You read the Gospel of John. John not only wrote the book of Revelations, he wrote the Gospel of John. 80% of what is in the Gospel of John is not in the other Gospels. 80%. Jesus revealed himself to such a way to John that it's just, it blows the human mind how John knew God. But you know why God was able to give John this revelation? It's because John gave Jesus such a relationship. John was Jesus' best friend. I'll put it up on the screen. John was Jesus' best friend. He leaned on, his, on the master's chest, never called himself by name in the book of John. Instead, he always referred to himself as the, the disciple whom Jesus loves. He was the last one at the cross. He was the first one at the empty tomb. The man who Jesus told, I want you to take care of my mom. Why, why did John like see God so real in his life? Wouldn't you love that, like to just know God, to just have this moment where like God is so real to you, where you just get it and you don't even need like a, a, an angel to appear to you. Like you just know the prompt. You just know the facial expression. Like you just can, can hear one word and it's like, I know what that means. I know it means take out the trash. I know exactly what that means because you have spent so much time in a relationship with God that God has begun to reveal himself to you so powerfully. Now that kind of intimacy, it's available to you. It's available 
to you. I was reading the book of Jeremiah. I'll close with this. I think I said that before. I was reading the book of Jeremiah in chapter three and verse one, and they say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return again unto her? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? Meaning, won't people talk about that? But you have played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return again to me, saith the Lord. I know you've done this with everyone else, but I still want you. And listen to me. I don't care who you are in this room. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how many times you have disappointed yourself and felt like you disappointed God. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to have like this intimate relationship with you. But all he can do is stand at the door of your heart and knock and to see if one day you'll make the decision to get up and invite him in. And I know that there are some people here today that's exactly what you need to do. But I also know there are other people in here that for whatever reason, you have gotten so busy that you don't hear the knock anymore. That life has gotten so chaotic, so disruptive, so hectic, that the Lord Jesus is trying his best to guide us, protect us, speak to us, give us the answer, show us the path, get us out. But all he can do is knock. You have to make the decision to open up the door. And today, what I want to ask you to do is to do just that. Every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person who is here today. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that each and every one of them come into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you than ever before. heads bowed, eyes closed, real quick right now. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, today I want to invite Jesus into my life in a greater way than ever before. Maybe he's in your heart, but he's not in your life. And today you know God's been knocking at the door. Maybe you've even played the role of, of what Jeremiah says, like a harlot, where you have bounced around from thing to thing to thing, trying to find answers and fulfillment from all these things, and yet God is saying today, yet return unto me. Come back to me. I've always wanted you, and I want you right now. I've always needed you, and I want you right now. I have always loved you, and I love you right now. You want to come into a personal relationship again with Jesus. Right now, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, but if that's you, I want you to do something with me before God and God alone. If this is you, I want you to do something. Would you lift your hand all over this place? All over this place, hands going up all over the room, all over the room, all over the room. Amazing, 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 amazing. Now, everyone in here, just pray this prayer with me. You can repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for me I also believe on the third day, Jesus rose again from the grave. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I say, Father, have your way in me. And I say, I'll yield to you. I'll fellowship with you. 
I'll let you in my life. And I say boldly, this is the beginning of the best days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.